The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. Ow! Ouch! Ah! All of that normally means you're in pain, right, Chris? You all right over there or what? Like, <laughs> No, you, I'm in pain. You step on a bunch of Lego or what's going on? Right? You know, you don't know what. Never know what's in the in the floor of my uh, closet here. Now, usually when you make those sounds, your face says it all. You're just coming from a place of pain. It could be big pain. It could be little pain. But really, all in all, pain is truly no fun. Getting out of bed some mornings can be a real challenge. From deep tissue pain, your joint pain, your headaches, or your bruise-like pain. Then there's deeper pain that happens in maybe your chest. And as soon as you voice that, well, yeah, everyone's on high alert, driving for their nearest phone to call 911. Now, if your body could talk, what would it be saying? What would it say to you? Pain is a communication tool, letting you know that your attention is needed. Like when you lean up against a kitchen counter right next to the stove and it's hot. Well, you feel pain and that alerts your brain to move your hand or your body immediately away from the potential injury, aka the pain. While you may not always feel grateful to your body for yelling at you after, say, a bee sting or sending the shooting pain from your back all the way down to your toes, it's quite successfully, your body that is, communicating with you, telling that there's something not right. Now, the big question is, are you actually listening? Now, there are different types of pain or categories of pain, like there's acute pain and there's also chronic pain. Acute pain is like when you've stubbed your toe and you do go, ah, it's quick. It happens suddenly and there's a limited duration, you know, generally speaking. You can see the damage caused to the cells as your immune system works to contain the trauma with the swelling that happens and then all the colors that it turns from that bruise. But if you can't see the acute damage because it's internal, maybe there's an organ that's hurt from a car accident or maybe you break a bone if you fall off your bike. Now damage to bone, muscle, organs, it can hurt like hell, leading to tears and so much emotional stress. Now, chronic pain, that lasts longer. For whatever reason, it can't resolve itself and it can really be very resistant to medical treatment, whether that's an operation, whether that's some sort of intervention or, you know, end up being on medication. Chronic pain can be absolutely exhausting, leading to more physiological or sorry, psychological consequence like depression, anxiety, and a life of extra stress that no one wants to live. Lives can be changed forever from debilitating pain to injury that happens from accidents. There's osteoarthritis, there's fibromyalgia, 
There's nerve pain, neuropathic pain, it's called. There's muscular pain, joint pain, chest pain, back pain, post-operative pain, pain from cancer, headaches, migraines. Now, migraines are something that I've been suffering with for the last little while. And there's also pain from medical treatments, like maybe radiation acute pain that you feel in your throat or sinuses or chest when a virus takes over your body and has all your cells feeling like there is seriously a war going on inside your body. And that really triggers a lot of fear and can be super scary at times, especially with all that's been talked about over the last couple of years during the pandemic. There's the pain that you can't see or you can't touch, the emotional pain. The, the psychological pain from anxiety and depression and emotional trauma. Now out there, there's about 70% of people with chronic pain that take some sort of medication. And after a while, that may not even work anymore. A friend of mine just had, had hip surgery, which is an acute pain. It's, he's going to get over it to get rid of the chronic pain that took him to get the hip surgery. Taking oxycodone, which is a really powerful medication, it's not actually even working for him. And he's absolutely beside himself. So while an incredibly broad subject to do a deep dive into pain, we have to start somewhere. And who better to start this topic than Dr. Davis Brockenshire? Now, this man sees pain every hour of every day with his patients as a functional medicine expert. Having started his journey, really, in chiropractic, his skills have evolved to look at the body and pain in particular from all angles. His unique approach is one that has had me cross the border from Ontario, the province where I live, into Michigan, just south of the border, to have not only myself checked out, but I even take my daughters. And we stand there on one foot, humming happy birthday, because that's how he starts off his muscle testing, one of his processes. We get his treatment and his protocols, which he actually teaches globally. Now, this guy is one serious smarty pants. Thankfully, I get to call him a really good friend. And I know that many of you have enjoyed our previous chats on episodes like, what is booze doing to your body? That was in episode 30. We did a deep dive into coffee. Yep, we went there. That was episode 53. We talked about men's health, which was really enlightening. I'm not a guy, but all the guys out there listened and all the women that listened because of all the men they have in their lives. That was in episode 79. Naffled, or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is something we really all need to understand a lot more about. That was episode 73. And the extremely popular vagus nerve, part one and two, as episodes 86 and 88. If you haven't heard Dr. B speak, hold on to your hats, ladies and gents, lovely, loyal listeners, and know that you'll likely need to listen at least twice to what he has to say, because it just sinks in. And that re-listen when you go back and maybe hit that back button or you listen to the episode again, well, your knowledge and your understanding are going to go way deeper. Well, welcome back to Eat This with Leanne, Dr. B. Dr. Brackenshire, I actually just got a, got an email from someone saying, what's Dr. B's full name? David's William Brockenshire. Well, yes, I think he just wanted to wanted to look you up online. Uh, he says, "Love, love the pod," and that was uh, that was Dave. So there you go, Dave. You never know when your name's going to get uh, get mentioned. So thank you for reaching out. So Dr. Davis Brockenshire from Innovative Health 
solutions in Michigan. And uh, that's just south of the borders for anybody else that wants to look him up. Yeah, let's dive into pain. Can you explain what pain is, how it comes to be, what the mechanisms are, uh, what are the cells that create it, the types of people experience? Like, just tell us. I mean, people know what pain is, right? Because you go, ow, and all of that stuff. But like, what's happening under there that we can't see? Here we go again, Leanne. I know. Thanks for having me back. Of course. No short order task here. We all know what pain is. We've felt pain. It's one of the first sensations the brain learns. The current understanding of pain, there, there's a system in the nervous system uh, that picks up pain sensors, right? Okay. Much like uh, your tires in your car, if the pressure is going low, it'll say, hey, your tire is low. These sensors are called nociceptors, and they can perceive tissue damage, inflammation, nerve damage, and they will tell the brain, specifically the cerebral cortex, bro, there's a problem. Pay attention. This doesn't feel right. And pain is one of those reflex sensors. So if you touch, uh, let's say a hot stove, your brain doesn't have to think about it. You just pull your hand away. It goes into the spinal cord, right to the muscle. In the modern world, if today is modern, we have other kinds of pains that are harder to quantify. And those are the uh, psychosomatic pains, the inflammatory pain, emotional pain, pain from trauma. And what's interesting is recently at Duke University, uh, they discovered that our brain can actually make chemistry to ignore pain. Really? Yeah. And what I found interesting um, in researching the amygdala, which is in the brain, the amygdala is where we uh, create our stress response, how we have a learned stress response. And in that piece of the brain, which looks like an almond, in the middle of that gland are sensors that can produce painkillers. So our brain has the ability to block pain. And Mm -hmm. anesthesiologists are now all over this because, hey, maybe we don't need to use so many drugs and cause concussions with anesthesia. We can access other aspects of the brain. Uh, And that might explain why some people in deep meditation are able to, say, walk on coals, um, do Wim Hof you know, ice boat plunges and all that stuff and just ignore. How would an anesthesiologist access that part of the brain or enact that part of the brain to stop the pain response? Sure. So what they're trying to figure out is, can they recreate those chemicals and then administer them? So the brain thinks it made them by itself and vice versa. You know, uh, the opioid epidemic is pretty legit. I mean, if you haven't heard of it, what At least in the U.S., um, what we know about opioids, people that have used opioids uh, for more than a couple of weeks, is that your brain will actually create pain to get more opioids. It might not be that you have an injury, but your brain is making you think you do so you could get more opioids because you like the way you feel. So wait a minute, wait, are, are, are we at all at con- you know, in control of the vehicle here or is it just running out of control? Uh, at We're this just point, trying to perceive the environment, right? <laughs> like it's very seriously. distracting, as you know. Yeah, it, I mean, I get that it's a an amazing organ, a powerful organ. I I get that, but I've never th- I never even considered the thought that it might do something against my will in the sense that it if it wants more of those opioids, 
your foot hurts. Here's a here's a bit of gout just to so that we have to yeah. head back to the doctor to to get some more painkillers. Yeah, it's it's wild, and that's why drug addiction with respect to opioids is such a big problem because <sighs> you, there is a serious withdrawal period. You almost have to replace those with other compounds. What I find ironic is the only organ in the body that can't feel pain is the brain. Mm. So uh, we could stick a a rod into your brain and be like, well, I feel pressure, but I don't feel pain. That explains that old commercial when he's poking at her brain and she smells burnt toast. I always wondered why she's not feeling how, (laughs) what Dr. Penfield is doing when he's poking around in her brain and she's wide awake. Wow. That's brought to you by the Canadian history moment. (laughs) Yeah. The Canadian heritage (laughs) moment. (laughs) (laughs) The loon. The loon. (laughs) (laughs) The loon. Fantastic. That's kind of mind blowing, really. It is. Just letting that one sink in that how easy it is to get addicted. What's interesting today is, you know, we don't typically experience the pain that our you know say great grandparents experienced right you you broke your arm you lost an eye whatever you keep going that's tissue pain okay today most people are experiencing inflammatory pain Mm. and uh, you know we've talked about this in the podcast before that inflammation is very pervasive yeah and there's a lot of causes for it whether it's poor diet yep one of the biggest reasons people are sore in the morning, yeah, is they don't get good sleep. Yeah, and if, so if you're not tracking your sleep and trying to figure out if you're getting deep sleep and REM sleep, mm-hmm. if you wake up sore every morning, you need to make sure that you've got your magnesium levels topped up, making sure that you're hydrated and and actually keeping the water, not just urinating it out. Um, a, a mistake to think that. Oh, I woke up sore in the morning. It must be my arthritis or my gout. Arthritis doesn't do that. Typically, arthritis gets worse as the day goes on. It's very interesting because I think there are a lot of people out there that just just went, really? That's not what I experienced or that's not what I've been told or that's not what everybody talks about or, or, yeah, God, it hurts when I get out of bed in the morning. God, this arthritis, I better pop a pill. Right. And then, wow, the pills. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm-hmm. there is no non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug or NSAID, mm-hmm. like ibuprofen, et cetera. There mm-hmm. is not a single version of those drugs that won't kill your liver, your kidneys, or your heart. So if you're using it as, say, vitamin I for ibuprofen, right. you can't do that. You're only making your pain worse over time. That's not good because we know that those drugs actually increase inflammation in the gut. So over a period of weeks, you're going to experience more pain overall. And for a lot of people, they think that because it's more of an anti-inflammatory, that's that's like that's the go-to. Right. So how does that differ from your typical um, like paracetamol, Tylenol, that kind of thing? So the acetaminophen type drugs like yeah. Tylenol are actually a better choice short term because you use them short term. And you don't have to worry about a toxicity if you're only using it here and there. Mm. But uh, there were some studies done years ago on Tylenol. And it turns out that there is a lifetime maximum. That is a thousand doses of extra strength Tylenol. Once you've exceeded that, there's irreparable damage to the kidneys. 
Start mm -hmm. counting those extra strength Tylenols. And if you need to use them, make them count. What just popped up for me is in the work that, you know, I've done in the past with uh, with new moms, new parents um, who their babies are kind of, you know, they're a little feverish, they're teething, they're a bit crabby. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to give you some Tylenol. How many times during a, you know, during their first year? Right. And the teething and perhaps a fever or whatever happens to be going on, that's the go-to. So by the time they're five, who knows how many uh, doses that they've gone through by that point. Exactly. One, one thing that rings true as a parent is you don't like to see your children in pain. Right. And as a species in psychological research, in general, most humans seek to relieve the pain in others. So mm -hmm. when you do studies and you watch somebody, you know, writhing in pain, everybody who's an observer feels the need to do something. Yeah. They have to help. Nobody wants to watch somebody in pain. If they do, there's some psychiatric diagnoses for that. Right. Okay. You don't want to, yeah. you don't want those people working on you in the ER. But that being said, pain also serves a purpose. Right. It says, hey, you know, no bueno, something's yeah. wrong. Like I said, inflammation can change our pain sensitivity. Fun fact, we'll thank the British Journal of Medicine on this. So if you look at your hand, if your ring finger is longer than your index finger, you typically have a higher pain tolerance. Just. Just. What that we're means. on we're on Zoom, lovely loyal listeners. Yeah. Hey, look at my I have my hand up. Davis does too. His is a little longer. Mine's marginally longer. Yeah. Chris, Chris can definitely take a beating based on that. And hand. and Chris too. We're all we all have our ring finger just a just a bit. Mine's probably almost the same length. That's weird. That's the bumper sticker that's on my car. Can definitely take a beating. There you go. <laughs> you must have paid your taxes. <laughs> um, the reason that's true is it's a sign that when you were in utero, when you were in mom and mom was feeding you, that you received plenty of uh, steroidal androgens. So Leanne, in your case, you received plenty of, plenty of estrogen to become you. <laughs> yep. Chris, you and I had plenty of testosterone. Thanks, mom. To <laughs> develop the way we need to um, and, and have a healthy pain response. If you don't, if your ring finger is shorter than your index finger, then you didn't have as great of an exposure. And that can be correlated with in utero stress, their trimester stress. And typically that individual feels pain at a greater level. Okay, so, so here, here's, here's one for you. Yeah. When I was five months pregnant with my first daughter, who's now 18, who's not around for me to look at her fingers. Yeah. Um, I broke my wrist. Mm -hmm in the water, got knocked over by a wave and pretty much almost like the bone was right out. It was really bad and in immense pain and was in a cast for pretty much the rest of my pregnancy because it was so bad. So because I experienced such physical stress and pain, what did what could that have done to her? Unknown because it was temporary. Okay. It was physical trauma. The types okay. of uh, pain that typically affect the embryo are severe stress types of pain. Okay. Um, physical and mental abuse, death, divorce, dismemberment, stuff like that. Right. Severe car accident, concussion. Right. But a physical injury is transient. You know, there, there's that pain and then it starts to heal. Yeah. But I don't know. I would check her hands when you grab her. Uh, <laughs> Come I, here, kid. Bring me your fingers. I found a correlation in autism with this 
And the shorter the finger in relationship to the index, so ring to index, the shorter the ring finger in relationship to index, the greater the neurologic symptoms can be. And so what, the reason that's so important, particularly with the younger generation, is Chris and I, you've heard this before, walk it off, get over it, right. don't cry. It doesn't hurt that much. But that's from a personal point of view. We perceive pain differently than other people. So these kids, they may be in chronic pain and have no way to describe it. Right. They could have a flaming migraine. Even though the brain can't feel pain, a migraine's real. I mean, Leanne, you know all about headaches. Oh, I do. I and know I very well about that. I don't yeah, care what do. caused it, make it stop. Yeah. And so a lot of these kids are in pain, but they have no way of communicating it. So we have to look at uh, creative ways to help that. The good news is if our brain can create pain, it can take it away, remediate it. Yes. Mm. And that's why people wake up sore in the morning. Once they get moving, yeah. you know, they feel better. They slam a Red Bull, some coffee, some Adderall. They go for a run. They feel great. Right. Yeah. Hopefully not. all. That's that. because they just spiked their cortisol and cortisol is a natural anti-inflammatory. Then they go to bed and... Yep. They wake up in pain, so they take some ibuprofen with some Valium and go back to sleep, and then the cycle precipitates itself. Did that answer your question? Yeah, (laughs) I think so, and like 10 others. Good. So thank you. Any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at SproutBright.com or LeannePhillipson.com. So like, what are the long lasting effects of pain, right? Like you just, you just talked about my broken wrist. There's my migraines. There's our people with arthritis, you know, kind of that, that hurts. There are people with long suffering pain that is just mentally draining. You know, I am, well, after a migraine eases, I'm exhausted, mentally exhausted. The key here is timing. So chronic pain. Yeah. Which is typically so when we grade pain, we still use the zero to 10 scale. Okay. Called the VAS or visual analog scale. And in the hospitals, they've got smiley faces and frowny faces. I think they right. should be politicians instead to determine pain. But um, <laughs> well, we see if you're a five out of 10 yep. or more on a regular basis, like an Al Gore. Yeah. He's got some <laughs> friends in the business. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, Sorry. since you brought up. I brought up the former vice president, Mr. Forum. <laughs> um, chronic pain will cause weight gain. Ah. A lot of it and around the middle. Mm. Well, that's adrenals, no? Yes. Yeah. So there's your connection. The pain wears out the stress response system. And over years, um, what we're finding is people in chronic pain have a greater incidence of neurodegenerative disease. So mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, dementia. Parkinson's, just general memory loss, et cetera. What we know now in neuroscience with the frontier of Alzheimer's is all hands on deck for Alzheimer's research. We have to do a better job as doctors about screening people for pain. Because when you've been in pain long enough, you kind of minimize it. It becomes somehow normal. Yeah. So you might say it's a two or three out of 10, but the average person might call it an eight. Right. And if a clinician can get people to communicate their pain levels correctly, then we have a better chance at screening for Alzheimer's. Uh, Looking at some data 
I'm writing a paper and designing some new supplements for the brain. And, and what I came across was World Health Organization data on Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. By 2030, it's going to cost the world about $2.4 trillion to treat Alzheimer's. Wow. Now, considering that planet Earth only spends about $1.1 trillion on energy every year, we're going to spend more than twice that to treat a degenerative brain disease. Then if you add in diabetes, then you add another two and a half trillion. So by 2030, we're talking about $5 trillion needed to treat basically preventable diseases. And I bring in diabetes because that increases pain. Blood sugar imbalances. So when your blood sugar is elevated, your insulin levels are elevated, you have more inflammation. So you Mm -hmm. feel pain Mm -hmm. more than the average bear, which would explain, you know, Chris and I's uh, apple fritter hypothesis (laughs) is that the apple fritter makes the pain stop short term. Right. But then later in the day, your back is killing you. Your hips are killing you. Your knees killing you. Yeah. Like it's got to be the arthritis. It's obviously no, not the fritter. It's the sugar. No, it couldn't be the fritter. <laughs> couldn't be. Okay, so here's an interesting question. What's worse, that I go for the vitamin I or I grab the fritter? Okay, I'm going to pick ibuprofen. Oh, okay. I'm sure they're yeah. both terrible. I get that. But I just mean if I absolutely needed something to soothe my yeah. pain. Nobody's ever needed a kidney transplant because of an apple fritter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but they have because okay. of ibuprofen. Based on the current status of your emergency room wait times, mm-hmm. you probably don't want to have to go see if you need a kidney transplant because, you know, maybe right. by Thanksgiving, your number will come up. Jeez. Yep. <laughs> oh, let's, let's try to stay healthy and out of the hospital. Yep. That's why all the things I always say is, you know, eat your vegetables, your colorful foods. That doesn't mean Skittles because right. that's <laughs> taking you down that road. <laughs> don't you find it ironic that alcohol, sugar, and fat can make you feel better for a minute? Absolutely. It's it's really crazy. But then it rebounds. If you consume a lot of alcohol, sugar, and fat because you're in pain, and I don't blame you because you don't Mm -hmm. want to be in pain. Yeah. But the longer you do that, the worse your pain gets. Mm. Yeah. So now we get into the detox hypothesis where we, you know, like with intermittent fasting, you radically change what's going in your body. But there are serious levels of pain withdrawals that will occur. And this is your brain making pain signals to say, go to the drive-through or I'm going to cripple you. So what does that, what does that withdrawal look like? It's like intensifies your cravings, intensifies your pain. Everything hurts. Everything. Your back will be scorching. You'll, you'll swear you're passing a kidney stone. Uh, If you have any bone spurs or degeneration in your joints, those will flare up. So if you've got, you know, knee arthritis, you'll see the knee swell up. It right. takes about 72 hours, but once you power through it, everything feels better. And that's yeah. detoxifying from whatever you're... Unplugging from alcohol, sugar, and garbage fat. Right. I don't think people realize that they can actually, you know, go through a day without sugar. Sure. Like you said, right. for the first 72 hours, it's like coming off of coffee. You're going to feel like crap. And it's not pretty. You'll have the headaches. You probably need something to get you through it. But on the other side of it, you'll actually get through a day and and be and amaze yourself that you can actually do it. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you can't have French toast with bananas foster or anything like that once mm. in a while. Sure. But people, you know, when you start your day with sugar and you end your day with sugar and alcohol, you're just setting up that inflammatory um, cascade, which is and, why you reach for an ibuprofen. 
And also when you start your day with sugar, you put yourself on a path of craving sugar for the rest of the day. So if there's any time to have sugar, it is not first thing in the morning, you know, your sugared Cheerios or whatever it happened, your donut, your uh, muffin, all of that stuff, whatever it happens to be, then it's really just don't because the rest of your day is an uphill climb. At this point, I'm a big fan of starting your day with a very high nutrient dense feeding, but low calorie. And that usually ends up being some type of shake for busy people. Yeah. Or you can spike it with your greens and your reds and your mushrooms, your probiotics and fiber, protein. Yeah. Pick your non-dairy beverage of choice. Um, but you can get that startup nutrient cocktail for under 400 calories and not have a sugar spike. That's amazing. I always start with my Kid Boost, my Alka C, my B vitamins. That goes in first. Yeah. Lately, I've been doing eggs and mushrooms after. You know, so we talked. We we talked about, um, you know, why people can't lose weight and that having to do with the microbiome. I've got six different kinds of mushrooms going on, and then All the right. greens and the sprouts go on top, and yep. you know, and that's it. It is delicious. Oh, and black garlic. Yeah, good, eh? Oh, that stuff, Chris. Have you ever tried it? No. Have you ever Have you ever seen it? So it's yes. it's yeah. it's dehi- dehydrated garlic. And it's almost sweet. It just gives such depth of flavor to whatever it is. You just take it and you chop it up and you put it on something. You don't need to cook it or anything. It's like just ready to go. And I met a friend at, a mar- at the market a couple of weeks ago and said, you've got to get this. And then she texted me later and said, what is this crack? It is just, it's addictive. It tastes so incredible. So there you go, lo- uh, lovely loyal listeners. There's something new to go and try with your uh, mushrooms, if you're doing that or anything else that you're having from a taste perspective, it's absolutely incredible. So this long lasting adrenal fatigue that people are getting, obviously you have to get rid of like, you know, you say you want to get rid of the pain. Well, that's not always possible. We'll come on to that. But in terms of supporting your adrenals through, because people don't realize that, that, you know, we have stress, we have life stress, we have arguments, we have bills to pay, we have all that kind of stuff. But pain is an adrenal stress. It's another form of stress on your body. The biggest stressor next to blood sugar. So if your blood sugar, if your blood sugar goes low, that's worse than setting your body on fire for the adrenal glands. Right. Secondary to that is pain. Um, however, what's here ir- really irritating from a neuroscience point of view is some people can relieve their pain by causing pain. So this is people that, you know, they cut themselves or they restrict blood flow somewhere. They're they're blocking one pain with another type of pain. With the adrenal pattern that you're talking about, the longer the adrenal stress occurs, the greater the likelihood of an anxiety-induced pain. And the longer the anxiety goes on, the tighter the muscles get, which then produces more pain which then restricts blood flow and lymph flow, causing the adrenals to freak out even more. You get stuck in that circle. And this is why physicians today are actually prescribing antidepressants uh, to manage pain in some people. Right. Because it breaks the cycle. Now, we're not, you know, we're not going to get into the, the pros and cons of using mind-altering prescriptions for this, but it is it is real. And the, right. so is the problem. Yeah. Um, but I find it interesting that, you know, you can use things like uh, Lexapro or Wellbutrin to control pain in mm-hmm. some people. Mm-hmm. And since the mind can create pain, um, 
we have to get into that psychosomatic pain situation. Right. Uh, so we've all seen, you know, videos where you're down in Alabama and the snakes come out in the church and somebody walks up to the altar and a big sweaty guy in overall comes up and puts his hand on your head and says, you are healed. Mm-hmm. And their pain's gone. Right. And you're like, which part of that worked? Right. So it was the whole thing, right? That psychosomatic release of, I do believe that I am okay. Right. If you're better. Um, that's a big, a big part today. And when, when you work with elite athletes, they are very good at blocking pain. I bet. Unless they're losing. Yeah. <laughs> right. <And everything. laughs> that's a problem. So if they're winning, you know, if it's game six and you have a chance to win the Stanley cup for the first time in forever and your yeah. foot's broken, doesn't matter. And they say you can't skate. Yep. Oh, I'm skating. So they rammed his foot into the skate and said, well, guess what? Um, when this comes off, life is going to suck. He says, I'll worry about that later. Let's go win a cup. The point being, we, we've all heard stories, read about stories, seen stories where people are able to ignore pain. Yeah, they can just get through it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you can flip a car, you pick up a burning log. You give birth. You give birth. <laughs> That's painful. Um, right. Uh, I mean, I know you don't know firsthand, well, but can, can I quote one it, of my favorite comedians? Yeah. Robin Williams once said that you don't that that guys have no idea what pain is. He says, and yeah. uh, he says, women no pain. He says, unless you've taken an umbrella, shoved it up your butt, and opened it, you have no yeah. idea what pain is. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no. And I and and my experience with my first was an epidural, and nothing with the second. Um, the two very different, uh, birthing experiences. Let me tell you And after my second, I like, I was on the ceiling. Like I just could not almost, you know, some, some women say that sort of an outer body experience, or you take yourself out because it's so painful almost. And it's not something that you can, it's in hindsight where you can kind of put yourself back through that. But I just remember trying to breathe. Yeah, not being able to even kind of catch my breath. And it was somebody put their hand on me and that almost kind of just grounded me in a place where I was like, okay, I got to take a breath here because this kid right here just just, he just came out. <laughs> he goes, stitch me up because, oh my God, it's insane, the pain. You do it and then you go back and do it again. Well, I didn't after Hadley, but yeah. Well, they say you forget pain. Yes. Um, but as a parent, I remember all of it. Women's brains are wired a little differently with respect to that area called the amygdala. Yeah. And and you can handle pain longer than guys. Right. right. Guys can handle like an acute pain. Right. Like, you know, chop your arm off by accident. Oops. Okay. Crap. Yeah. Right. But I think it's safe to say that guys can't handle chronic pain very well. The interesting thing you brought up breathing. Mm. So top two things you can do for pain management. Uh, if you have nothing else, number one is just acknowledge the pain, right? It hurts. It sucks. It's there. Don't fight it. Second thing is breathe. Try to work your breathing, the oxygenation, the opening of the lungs, um, in some ways improves blood flow and it it helps lower a lot of the stress hormones, but it also can produce minute quantities of DMT in the brain, which is kind of like a hallucinogen. Mm. So if you're taking deep controlled breaths, you've acknowledged the pain, you can get organized and you can uh, save yourself. I mean, there's a story of the rock climber who sawed his own hand off to get free. 
you know, you can breathe through pretty much anything until you can't breathe. And I think when you're in acute pain, then your focus on breathing is really not there at all. I do, I do recall when I broke my wrist, when I was pregnant, all I did in the ambulance or when they dragged me out of the water and all that, I just was like, I was just breathing. It does really have some pretty magical powers. And that is something that we can all, we can all do outside of breathing. I mean, this is a million dollar question because, you know, we've got the Advils, we've got the Tylenols, you know, what are the steps that we can, that we can take to help lessen or even eliminate different types of pains? Yeah. Let's take a top down approach here. Okay. Start with the head. My head hurts. Yes. No kidding. Yep. The most common approach to handling head pain in all of these are in the absence of trauma. Right. So patient says, my head hurts and I didn't do anything. Right. You're going to start hydrating. Mm-hmm. You're going to balance your minerals and you're going to add magnesium. Number one cause of head pain is TMJ dysfunction. So mm-hmm. your jaw is funky. Right. That's usually from anxiety. So you're going to want to talk to your dentist, your chiropractor, your massage therapist. Osteopath. Osteopath, acupuncturist. Have them all work that head system. And for the love of God, drink some water, some clean water. As you move down the body, chronic shoulder pain is often related to liver gallbladder dysfunction. Mm. So ladies, if you're on the pill, if you eat too much fat, if you're on cholesterol lowering meds, if you have hormonal dysfunction, even if you don't have a gallbladder, you can have chronic shoulder pain. Guys, chronic shoulder pain is usually blood sugar based. Chest pain, number one cause of chest pain is heartburn. So take it seriously, but also consider that, you know, it's probably heartburn until you rule out the scary stuff. So figure out your digestive system. People know, hang on a second, there is a whole episode on that we talked about um, with heartburn and just to quickly recap, so many people take those antacids and it, their actual issue is they don't have enough stomach acid. Right. So those, the enzymes, hypozymase um, on spartright.com is a great one to try. And I don't remember the episode uh, number, but, um, you know, trying out taking some apple cider vinegar or lemon juice, see if it makes it worse or better is an indicator of where is your heartburn coming from. Particularly if, if you wake up at night with chest pain, it's often heartburn. Right. The low back pain, which, you know, 90% of people today are experiencing some type of low back pain. There was a landmark study done in Montreal, uh, McGill, on back pain and job dissatisfaction. And it turned out that the majority of people with back pain also had job dissatisfaction, mm. which I find interesting. So there's a huge psycho-emotional complex to back pain. Yeah, but yeah. to keep things simple... If you have any form of leaky gut or gut-related issue, constipation, diarrhea, you name it, probably have back pain. Working down into the hips and the knee, we'll work that out. Thank goodness we have Tylenol Mm. and ibuprofen. Yep, for those times. We need all those uh, to get through the modern era. As a species, if you had something to help with pain, you became a, a village leader. Like, wow, you made the pain go away. You must be magic. In nature, there are a few compounds that help with that. Uh, most of us are familiar with white willow bark. Take yeah. the bark, you make a tea out of it, and yeah. that will have high levels of salicylic acid, which is where aspirin came from. 
Okay, so aspirin was the first patented pharmace- pharmaceutical for pain back in the late 1800s by Park Davis. And all they did was throw an acetyl group onto the salicylic acid and you got acetyl salicylic acid. Wow. And all from white willow bark. White willow bark. Yeah. So mm. again, you know, if we're talk- looking at natural substances. Right. Um, now, ironically, if you wanted to use a natural form of white willow bark extract, a good extract is going to run you about a buck 50 a capsule, or you could just get some aspirin for three bucks a bottle type of thing. So you're not suggesting going out and licking a tree? No, okay. not unless we're doing a ceremony, <laughs> but that's a different talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, other, I, I haven't come across white willow bark. Is it a tincture a, pill? Like you said, yeah, a pill it's, a, it's a tablet or a capsule. It's just not okay. cost effective. So Company. what about like Kirkman? Yeah, turmeric, so, those kind of things. Curcuminoids from turmeric are yeah, anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Um, Boswellia serrata is anti-inflammatory. Ginger yeah. is anti-inflammatory. Celery seeds anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. But from a true pain point of view, like if if it was the end of the world and there were no drugstores, and you're like, I'm dying here. I need something for pain. Yeah. Willow bark. There's another one called California poppy. Mm-hmm. And you've seen those beautiful flowers in pictures. You'd recognize them. So you take the seeds from the poppy and you crush them into a tea. And that's that's a form of opium. Yeah. And it works great. And that's where they got the idea for morphine. There's another plant most people don't know about. It's called Jamaican dogwood. And that's very useful for pain, too. All these are natural. Uh, they cost a lot of money to make. So... My attitude as a clinician is let's figure out how to solve the pain without having to take stuff and then manage it in between. To be real, though, you know, Leanne, you and I are always talking about the laws of nature and try to do things within the laws of nature. Mm -hmm. But we don't live in a natural world anymore. So we have to kind of dance between the two. And realistically, people are going to take whatever they need to take to make the pain stop. Six letters that I hear all the time are THC and CBD now. THC for pain, hmm. CBD for inflammation. Right. Unless it's gut pain. If you have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's, yeah. high doses of CBD can reduce the pain better than just THC. If you're dealing with neuropathic pain, which is something we haven't talked about, but that's nerve pain. Okay then you want to use really high doses of CBD. So nerve pain like shingles? Yes. Any crushing injury. Okay. Uh, Parkinson's, amputation, phantom pain, stuff right. like that. The And when I say high dose, I'm talking several hundred milligrams a day. Typical dose for a, a healthy adult would be, say, 150 milligrams twice a day for pain reduction right. neurologically and in your gut. If you threw your back out because you threw an axe at your neighbor while you were camping and whatever. Yeah. And I've heard this story this week. They did something stupid while camping and they had to get rushed to the dispensary so they could get some good cannabis to take the pain away. And the person couldn't walk. They blew their back out so bad they couldn't walk. Wow. Rather than, you know, try to find... um, Percocet or something. They right. just got uh, some heavy duty gummies and they were fine. They woke up the next day fine. Really? Where does the 
because I guess you're living in a slightly different medical world than we are in Canada, but you've, you definitely play in this world. Where yeah. are we medically speaking with THC and CBD when it comes to the di- um, uh, prescribing it? Because even just a few short years ago, and my wife's dealt with pain her whole life, the doctor was reluctant to go there because the literature is still very young. So the literature starting in the late 1980s has been evolving. And of course, there's a lot of stigma still around this plant. The conclusion is this plant does so many amazing things. We just can't figure it all out at once. Mm. So in the U.S., it's state to state. But um, we have clinics that will prescribe cannabis-based stuff, and you can get prescriptions for it, no problem. Every cancer clinic will prescribe RSO, which is Rick Simpson oil. Uh, That's another thing. Cancer pain has a whole other kind of pain. But uh, Rick Simpson oil works very well for that, done correctly. We also have ketamine clinics now. Mm -hmm. They're prescribing special K for a lot of reasons. And uh, coming soon are the psilocybin clinics, LSD and all that stuff. Just because it works. And, you know, in America, we're a fee-for-service capitalist healthcare economy. And, uh, you know, they don't care what it costs, just get it done in Canada. It's a little different. You know, there's a lot of, uh, regulatory steps you have to go through to do things. And what's unfortunate is, and if we've learned anything in the last two years in Canada, you could have the cure for the plague of the 21st century, but you're not allowed to use it because yeah. there's not enough evidence on it. Well, you haven't had time to research it. Chris, but it works. Yeah, no, but Chris, do you remember we had a doctor on talking about CBD and THC. I, her name escapes me at the moment. Very knowledgeable woman teaches all the doctors across the country about THC and CBD. She talked about how incredibly effective cannabis is for pain of all different types. And I said, okay, so you are a medical doctor. And she said, you know, as a last resort, then we will recommend, and these are only certain doctors that are aware of it, because I've had many conversations with many doctors about CBD, more in the mental health space. And she said outright, that is not, what was it, Chris? She said, that is not our, it was almost like our protocol. Mm -hmm. So when we see someone, the first thing we do is prescribe medication and go through every single one that might actually work, even if it's something that you know, these are my words, not her words, you know, probably even if it's something that could get them addicted. And as a last resort, then they will bring out CBD or THC. And it's just, there are so many medical professionals out there that just don't know about it. It's not in their wheelhouse, so they don't suggest it. And if you ask about it, and I did absolutely experience this once again in the mental health space in asking about CBD, what an opinion is. And and, and the first words out of the doctor's mouth were, no, we don't recommend that. If I were to make a recommendation for a cannabis-based product for you as a licensed physician in Ontario, they would file a board complaint against me and I would have to go in front of the board and explain myself. Really? Yeah. Huh. That seems silly. Uh, it's about how, you know, what kind of tools you got in the toolbox. And it's yes. like leaving the pneumatic. You, you got a few yeah. nails to put in and you left the pneumatic hammer at home because you're not allowed to use it. It just seems a little silly, doesn't it? Fashion way. We're going to kill your kidneys and liver. Yeah. Um, Leanne, as you know, I've been in the cannabis industry for a while. Mm-hmm. You've got your own potions. Created, I've, sold them. You I've know, tried it. Strong. Stuff. Yeah, it's got some kick. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing I will recommend, if you can avoid it, don't smoke it. Because yeah. we don't want to put more stuff into the lungs. There's a lot of other things in there you don't want. If you're the kind of person that needs it just to get through your day, to control mm-hmm. your pain, and you just you dread not going to have a dose. You, know, yep. you think, oh my God, what am I going to do? We're going here for the weekend and I can't use my vape pen. Mm-hmm. How am I going to get through the weekend? Mm-hmm. Like it's a source of anxiety. Yep. If that's you, what the cannabis is doing to your brain is it's sedating all of the patterns that are telling you, bro, you got to do something. You got to get busy, get on with your life, accomplish something. So we all have a sense of urgency in our brain. And pain will increase that sense of urgency. Cannabis sedates the sense of urgency in people. So politically, one of the reasons they don't want this mainstream is it reduces the fear response and the urgency response. So then your consumption of certain media will be skewed because you just don't care. Right. Don't worry about it. Tomorrow's another day, man. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Really fascinating. And I mean, we haven't really touched on emotional pain. And well, why don't you just say something a little bit? uh, You've talked a little bit about being addicted to pain medication. Yeah, you can be addicted to pain medication, because when you stop it, you feel more pain. Yeah. And it's not fixing your pain. What it's doing is blunting it or subduing it. Right. So Parts of your brain still perceive it. Um, and as the effect wears off, you, you're like, oh, I don't ever want to feel that again, because there was a huge fear component when the pain was produced in the first place. Mm-hmm. The addiction and attraction piece goes like this, that we're, we're attracted to the trauma of the pain. So somebody gets hurt, everybody wants to go see what happened. Right. Oh my God, what happened? Are they hurt? <laughs> yeah. But that's the attraction piece. The addiction piece is the trigger. Mm. So when you see tires screeching and that person's about to rear end somebody, you're like, oh yeah, oh, something's going to happen. You're addicted to that. Then nothing happens. You're like, oh, come on. Mm -hmm. And we're just wired that way. Certain natural painkillers like cannabis, like poppy, they kind of inhibit that too. Uh, But you can do that with meditation. So there's the third part of pain relief is meditation. Right. As, As we're learning with all the brain scans, Some people just can't meditate with their eyes closed. If you have a hard time meditating, A, because you're in a lot of pain, and B, Mm -hmm. because your brain won't shut off because the monkeys are screaming at you in your mind, don't meditate with your eyes closed. Set your meditation, sit down, relax, light a candle, and just stare at the candle with your eyes open and meditate. You'll produce the same level of alpha and theta waves to calm your mind as if somebody with their eyes closed would. So that's something that's easy to do. Again, if you close your eyes to go to sleep and you wake up because your brain won't shut off, try the candle trick. Um, there's a device we've been using for about a year now called a brain tap. Yeah. Yeah. I've reached out to them to hopefully talk to them in the yeah. future. But what the brain tap does is it can induce meditation using sound and light and it's app driven. So for example, um, I took a red eye coming back from Colorado the other day and went right into the office. Okay. So I was up for like 28 hours, but I brain tapped on the plane hmm. and I programmed it for Delta recharge, which is produced Delta waves in a rejuvenating state. So essentially I had about three hours of deep sleep. 
just by having just by, it's kind of like a goggly glasses yeah, type uses thing, isn't a, it? a visor and some and some headphones right um if we're having a heck of a day or i had a patient recently on suicide watch and she was kind of losing it and i just put the brain tap on her yeah and she calmed right down she settled in about 17 minutes and then we called her therapist and she, we averted a disaster yeah um, what's great is it's nothing new. It's just portable and convenient now. Right. It's using sound, yeah. which you're an expert at. You know how the, the yeah. powerful impact sound can have on pain. Yeah, And it's using light and what's called holosonics, which is how sound moves through the brain. Yeah. Um, so that's been great for pain. And working with BrainTap, they also have a whole section for cancer pain. So you're sitting there, you're getting radiation, you're getting chemo, you're hating life, everything yeah. hurts. Right. You run the brain tap for 20 minutes during your procedure and you just really don't notice it. We use it for kids too. Do you? And like I said earlier with the hand measurement thing, kids have a lot of pain, but they don't know how to voice it. Right. But often it shows up as ADHD or OCD. Mm. So you can treat that with sound and light. Aha. Uh -huh. Very Is it cool. too soon to say back to school, everybody? No, don't. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I, I see the emails coming in. I'm like, click. No, 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 no. Can we just stay in summer as it's like July as we're recording this right now and the sun is out and I'm watching the sunrise. I'm taking all that red light yeah. in as it's coming through, you know, all the buildings for my condo. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. So no, I don't want this to ever end. It is too soon to mention that dirty word. Well, maybe we'll have you back to talk more about the emotional side, emotional pain side of things, because that's just physical pain leads to emotional pain, leads to anxiety, depression. They're all intrinsically linked. But, you know, having just talked about more of the physical stuff today, very, very eye opening as always. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Davis, for, for coming on once again and sharing your absolute incredible wisdom. The journey is always appreciated with you, too. So thanks for having me. Well, Chris, out of all that, what are you thinking for the next time that you have a pain? You know, I was enthralled by two things specifically. One was when he talked about uh, the opioid addictions and how the brain, without, without you even asking it to do so, will cause more pain in order to get more opioids into the system. Right. Right. And that's sort of a, the how the addiction itself almost takes a life of its own. Where the brain goes, you know what? I need more opioids. I like how I feel when I'm on opioids. So therefore, I will cause more pain in order to yeah. get those opioids. That absolutely blew my mind. It's just a, du a double whammy of unfortunate events, really. Yeah. That's what's coming out of that because you think, well, no, I'm, I'm still in pain. I'll just have another. And I can only imagine that in part, that's how people get so addicted to them because they're not they're not monitored or the pain is so bad or the, the, the relief, the, the, the sense, the exhale that they get from it. They just keep going back and back. And I don't have an addictive bone in my body. It's not in my DNA, but it's given me a much different perspective on it. And the other thing was his, his, and I was intrigued to hear him talk about CBD um, yeah. and, and THC and marijuana and how it's still, still, floating on the outside of our medical system yeah. as this sort of, uh, you know, black sheep of the family. It just seems wrong. It's in the conversation. It's in the ether out yeah. there. It should be a part of the process. 
and it should be Absolutely. a mainstream part of the pride should be a an option that's all yeah. just an option off the top when i was saying how uh what is your body trying to tell you mm. um you know being a migraine sufferer and like i said re- more recently just seriously being like knocked out other than this one particular um drug that i take um that that can stop it there's nothing that's going to you know that's going to do it so i go through all of these emotional waves of 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 you know fear when will it ever stop oh my god what did i do to myself what did i you know what did i eat did i drink enough why on earth do my hips hurt so much and you know because there's just such inflammation going on um going on in my body I'm always looking for answers as anyone who's heard me talk before knows that, you know, I really want to know. I am the original inquirer in terms of what the hell, why am I in bed again after another week of, you know, getting through the week. And then the past three weekends I've had a migraine and I want to know why, because I also don't want to, you know, feel like I'm wasting a whole day. So there are other ways that I, I have explored in trying to understand, because I do believe that in these cases, there's an opportunity to understand ourselves better. So sometimes I often suggest to clients to look at Louise Hayes' Heal Your Life uh, explanation of pain. Now, this can be a totally controversial woo way of looking at it. But when I actually looked up and to see what she said about migraine, for instance, Migraine headaches are created by people who want to be perfect and and who create a lot of pressure on themselves. Hand up. That's me. <laughs> right? Like I'm just yeah. built this way. And yeah. I've had the DNA tests. We've done this. We've done this. We know a bit more from a DNA perspective that this is just not self all self-perpetuating. And it oddly sort of feels empowering when somebody else says, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's what's going on. And you go, okay, yeah, I understand. But I believe that that's the first step because awareness is always about the first step in making a change. So while I'm laying there and I'm breathing and I'm thinking, okay, how can I do this differently? Then I've actually, the last migraine I had lasted less time. So really? I, I would say that that's an improvement. Yeah. And all the things that I was doing, I did a beautiful yoga with Adrian. Uh, yoga for migraines. If anybody out there suffers, just Google it. It's on YouTube. It was beautiful. It was so nourishing and she is so gentle and it just felt like I got a really big hug, not only while I was doing it, but also afterwards I crawled back into bed and I was like, wow, that was great. And I actually got myself out of bed in order to do it. So that was great. Now, Louise Hay, she also explains things like aches are for a longing for love, longing to be held, Her take on addictions is running away from yourself, being in fear, not knowing how to love yourself. Now, we know from the DNA testing that there's a genetic trait there with addiction, but this, I think, is a perfect collaboration where really we're beautifully supporting both science and then the other side of that with a deeper understanding. And really, I think that just, again, marries into what Dr. B talked about earlier in terms of addiction, where you know, should you or know someone who got themselves into that place, there's a bit of a, you know, whereas Chris, you said you don't have an addictive, addictive bone in your body with others. If they do, then that must make such a challenging situation for them because their body's producing this pain to keep the opioids coming. Like it's fascinating. These kind of things are, I don't know. I just, yeah, 
this is maybe why I have an overactive brain and ends up hurting after a little while. (laughs) But really what it is, we know that pain is never really one thing. It comes from all directions. While it might feel exhausting at the time, in my experience, the only way is through. And having someone like Dr. B and knowledgeable practitioners out there who are bringing more Uh, just more to the conversation, asking more questions, coming at it from different ways, using different tools. Um, I I think we're, you know, I think we're, we're going in the right direction. And, you know, to quote you, Chris, it gives me hope. Now, Dr. B talked about a few supplements and some of them, like I said, I hadn't heard of before, the white willow bark. So I'm not sure if I can help you out with that, but the uh, BioA curcumin that is and the magnesium bisglycinate, those are both on SproutRight.com. You can order those. They're a Physica product. I'd also add in my Kid Boost because of all the insane colors that are in there. The reds, the blues, the greens are all anti-inflammatory. And then, of course, you've got Omega Boost as the Omega-3. And those, from a supplement standpoint, you've got to sort out your diet first. The reason why we call them supplements, as I went into in episode 109, talking about all supplements, including my supplement line, it's just this is a place to start in terms of, you know, some support but sticking to the diet, ditching that sugar. I can't, you know, if that's the one eating hack, let's say, probably one of the hardest ones to do is ditching the sugar, lessening the sugar first, and knowing that you can get to the other side and really not crave it anymore. Then I think that that's the biggest takeaway from the diet standpoint. While this is only the start of a conversation, I really hope that it's a valuable one. Now you'll find the supplement recommendations and links over on leannephillipson.com that'll take you over to spreadright.com. I promise I'm looking into merging my two sites because it's driving me crazy saying both of them, but it's taking a bit more time than I was hoping. Thank you so much for being along. Know that sharing could seriously change someone else's life. So wherever you listen, First, find that rate button. Give it five stars because all the people out there in the world that you don't know will see those five stars and think, okay, this is worth a listen. And then share it far and wide. Put it on your social media channels or share from when I put out the first post on Leanne Phillipson and Sprout Right channels. Share it in your newsletters if you're a practitioner or you have anyone on any kind of list. Seriously, let's give someone who is in pain a chance, a way out. So... With all that said, I'll finish off by saying, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time.